Hey, what's up, guys? Just wanted to briefly touch base with you all here before we get the show started. You may have noticed this episode is several days late. Uh, This one turned out to be a lot longer than we had initially planned, so we're actually splitting it into two parts. So you're actually getting part two today, and then this Friday, you'll be getting part three. So two episodes this week. Hopefully that makes up for the tardiness on my behalf. Um... Not sure if we've mentioned this, but we both work full-time. We're kind of doing this all for the love of the game, out of our own pocket. Uh, I have back problems from working in a fucking warehouse full-time for so many years, and yeah, that kind of slowed us down a little bit. But I think it's a pretty good episode. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you back here in a couple days for part three. Uh, again, don't forget to reach out to us either at the email pot is killing me at gmail.com or at the Instagram or Twitter pages. Both of those are at pot is killing me. All right. Enjoy the episode. Now back to Ken Burns, the Tinder Wars on PBS. A week before the most decisive battle of the Tinder War, Jesse pot is killing me texted his Tinder match in L.A. April the 17th, San Luis Obispo, California. Dear SJ, the indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow, and lest I should not be able to text you again, I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I am no more. Though I have no misgivings about the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter, I do wonder why you have not texted me back. Perhaps you have misplaced your phone, or perhaps you have found the right words more elusive than I. But please forgive my many faults, and the many pains I have caused you. The countless attempts at engaging you by trying to be silly, asking trifling questions about the band kiss, even telling you what a fair and proper woman you are, must have been so trying for you in these times. The burden of being a woman of your stature and physicality on that app that has been forsaken by God's grace is one that I can never know. But oh, SJ, please know my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence can break. The memories of all the blissful moments I have spent staring longingly at your profile pics come crowding over me, and I feel most deeply grateful to God and you that I have enjoyed them for so long and how hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, I might actually meet you or simply see my texts replied to. But alas, my dear SJ, the hour grows late. I must rest now so I might be ready for the coming battles. Do not forget me, Jesse.
Welcome to episode six of Pod is Killing Me. I'm Jesse. And I'm Jeff. And today we're doing part two of October Rest. We'll be getting into some of the songs here and give them, giving them a good go over. But uh, so uh, how are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm beyond fucking tired, but other than that, I'm all right. Um, I'm like actually kind of excited to do this one because this is my favorite album. Uh, it weirdly is intimidating uh, for some reason. I think it's because I have a hard time finding out what the angle to use for this record is going to be. Like, Bloody Kisses was like a good, easy one to do because this was the, you know, the joke for us is it was the first really great record of theirs. Um, Like, it's them finding their sound. And like, their other albums, I kind of could already see a theme through them. I'm having a hard time figuring out what October Rusts is. Yeah, I mean, so what we know is that this was the album... Peter wrote because he wanted to bring more women into the fan base. Uh, it's, you know, a lot more lush. You get a lot more universal themes on this, you know, like just shit that's like pretty easily relatable, like in like a pop music sort of way. Yeah. Like we so, all know what it's like to have our girlfriend's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what it's like to be driven into a state of bloodlust by <laughs> Eating a woman out while she's on her period. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, we and anyone here who's ever been really into, like, you know, furries understands, you know, the appeal of a song like Wolf Poon. <laughs> you say Wolf Poon? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> but, yeah, so this was, like, like we said last episode, this didn't exactly set the world on fire. Unfortunately, the band was expecting it to be a much bigger hit than it was. But uh, Jeff and I, we both feel this is the best one. And I, 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 I think we can explain why pretty well when we start getting into these songs. Like why it's such a special album in their catalog. I, I will say this. You know what it is? And I, I assume this, but anytime I listen to any other album, I'm always immediately struck by how fucking good they all are. Like every single time I'm getting like blown away and a different song will really just reveal itself to me. And, yeah. and then I'm kind of like, damn, like is October rust really that? So I go back to that one again and I'm like, Jesus, every moment that like elates you or just makes you give you an endorphin rush on the other albums. It's like October rust is just nothing but those moments like constant front to back. Um, yeah. at a level I've never really experienced before. Like on most records, it, 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 it's a five star, like, like th- yeah. there's, there's maybe two songs that maybe have anything resembling like a weak point for me. And even then they're never, there's no, there's not a single dud in the bunch. I agree. Um, so do you want to, do you want to get into this? Do you want to? Oh yeah, sure. The... Cause, Cause we got a lot to talk about with the very first track. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of bad ground. Obviously it sounds like you have a bad speaker cable. It's just buzzing incessantly for like 35 <laughs> or 40 seconds. Um, kind of a, a funny throwaway track when you're listening to it on streaming or listening to the CD. Cause you could just skip that shit, you know, the next time you listen to it. My record player is like from the late 80s and the queuing oh. function does not work at all. So it's it's pretty much just play and stop. That's all that works. So I've got to endure that. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to listen to it. And having to listen to it, it seems interminable. I was and just going to say like, for that long. It would long? not be. Yeah. It's not. It wouldn't be a typo negative record without 
a tr- some trolling on there, you know? I feel like typo negative because I know that on the follow up album, there's that whole thing where it sounds like a there's like a record or something's like skip or your CD skipping, and then you yeah. get the, the sucker right. <laughs> and someone said that there was a rumor that if you bought it on tape it sounded like your tape was getting getting eaten like so really they changed it for the format but i don't think that's necessarily true i don't know if it was they changed it on the record they changed it on the record it's a skipping record on the on the vinyl do you know what that reminds me of what gremlins 2 oh yeah that happens throughout in the like in a certain part, parts, like the projection goes bad or the something, The projection right? goes bad and Hulk Hogan threatens them. And apparently for the VHS, it looks like someone is scratching up your, uh, scratched up your tape. That's so sick. They, so they changed it for, <laughs> for the different formats. I was just picturing them all four with like their silhouettes in the theater, mystery science theater style. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I love that. I love yeah, just like pretty... thinking about it, just imagining them in different scenarios. <laughs> My God, dude, I decided to look something up right now, speaking just in general about the band. How the hell were they not included on the Bordello of Blood soundtrack? <laughs> what is on because that? The, f- the fucking Scorpions. The Scorpions? Still, still loving you. Free. All right now. <laughs> Humble Pie. Cinderella. Cinderella in like 1990, like was it six or seven? 96. That's the one with Dennis Miller, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Friend of the show. (laughs) Yeah, he's a yeah big fan, apparently. Yeah, exactly. And and you'd think he would have worked behind the scenes to get the boys on the soundtrack, but, you know, instead they had to have room for ballroom blitz, apparently, needed to be in there. (laughs) That's not vampiric at all. Thin Lizzy? What the hell? It's like a bunch of just classic rock with a little bit of like hair metal mixed in. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah a, like Thin Lizzy like... and Cinderella. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I tried to text Thin Lizzy once and it t- changed it to Thin Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the kind of thing that if you texted accidentally <laughs> or tweeted, you would probably instantly get killed <laughs> by an unhinged mob. So, yes. That sounds yeah, like a funny just... Twitter, a funny Twitter account, Thin Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was trying to say Thin Lizzy. Hey, the best band out of Ireland. I, I love Thin Lizzy. They're great. Yeah. They, they, Ireland recently, they, they voted higher in a poll than you too. And I said, absolutely. That is 100% the case. I'll say, I've never seen Thin Lizzy uh, used in a TED talk where like a Citibank executive tries to play one of their songs on acoustic guitar. <laughs> so fuck. Uh, so yeah, we get, we get bad ground. The next one I feel is just, you know, I love that they're, they explain the joke on the next one. They sound like <laughs> such goofs. It's great. I know it's actually quite charming. And Peter's accent is beyond strong. Yes. And uh, Josh just sounding incredibly bored. <laughs> Peter sounds like he'd be one of those guys who uses a slur in a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> like his accent's really strong. God, his accent real strong. Um, speaking of my own, but like he sounds like one of those guys from like Twenty Fifth Hour when he's doing like the rant about the different people in New York that he hates, and it's like, and it references the guys from like Bensonhurst, you know. And it's like that kind of sounds like Pete, you know. <laughs> Like a mook. (laughs) He's an absolute mook. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. I, they're, they also, I, I don't, 
Kenny, I'm not sure who's doing the chicken sounds. That feels like Kenny for some reason. And then you get Johnny, who just sounds... I just love how, like, he just sounds like such an affable, dumb guy. I love Johnny. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I, like, I, I love all the boys together. Like, it's 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 a shame that it's obviously... The dream is over, but... You know? yeah, the dream is dead. <laughs> yeah, the dream is dead, man. God damn. Ugh. But speaking we'll of cov- dead... We'll- uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of dead, the next song, "Love You to Death." I've, this is just one of my favorite songs of theirs. god yes uh jesus um i'm trying to think of where i would even start here i would say you know what's funny every time i'll say this and every single time another song will convince me otherwise but when i come back to it i think love you to death might be their quintessential ballad like if they played today as a legacy act this would always be coming the encore of the show yeah it just it rocks too hard to just be just a ballad though but yeah. Oh, no, no. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's like in terms of it being like an epic, because the first part of it, kind of the opening is ballady. Yes. I would say the middle, yes. my favorite part is the second section. That is very ballady. Yeah, I it's it's lush. It's got a lot of layers from the synth. I, this is just this is this album sounds like so much more of a labor of love than Bloody Kisses. You can tell Josh was just sitting there adding more and more and more little synth flourishes to it. A hundred percent. I was noticing, like, I- I'm sure some, has anyone pointed out the, like, your lips move back here, here, what you're saying, like, is totally, to me, like, comfortably numb. Yeah, yeah, he's paraphrasing comfortably numb, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I was gonna say, like, the middle section, though, like, like there's that part where it is introduced with that really fucking cool guitar just comes in, and it just kind of holds itself there. That like, and it's just, a, I don't know what it is, how he's playing it or whatever, but it just sounds gorgeous because there's the main riff, but then that kicks off, that, that stops, and then that one guitar comes in, and then the big chorus together comes in after that. And it's like with the main line, let me love you to death, and it just sounds so incredible and yeah. beautiful. Those harmonies, and, the vocal harmonies. And then you get that last, the am I good enough, like comes in at the end. Him doing that and, any uh, better. <laughs> You know what it kind of reminds me of, weirdly enough? That oddly makes me imagine, God, I wish he had covered, because I think it probably would have been appropriate for him. He should have covered Mother by Pink Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mother, do you think she's good enough? (laughs) For me? me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I know he was, he seemed like a mama's boy, obviously. So it's like, yeah, (laughs) like, you know, he would have sounded amazing covering that. Yeah. This is, I love how this song, it just, Right off the bat, it's Peter in full Dracula mode. 
Like, oh yeah, and he's he's doing a new. He learned a new trick for this album that I picked up. It's that where he throws his voice up, like almost like a Danzig thing. Like, um, it's <laughs> Wait, like what, at the, what, what at the end of a sy- syllable. It's like, um, oh fuck, I should have written it down. You should know this, man. You should have been listening. You should know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> Is he doing like the get ya, get ya, like where he goes yeah. up again? Get ya, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah he ends get it up. Yeah, he does like a little, like, like a little. Oh not, yeah, absolutely. Like a, not quite a yodeling thing, but he didn't do <laughs> yeah, that he, on Bloody Kisses, but he does it all over the place here. It's like it adds like more, a lot more swagger to his vocal style. Yeah, I do like that. No, that is definitely a big noticeable change. I was gonna say even though the first thing I noticed is that this song, the opening main riff kind of proves me wrong initially is that I don't feel like the guitars on this overall have nearly as much crunch or like a chug to them. Right. The way they do. When I think of bloody kisses, all the songs have like a junk, junk, junk kind of thing going. Mm-hmm. And this one does in the beginning, but then after that, it has this completely different like tone. This is like the best way to explain the difference between this album. And the other one is the difference between Christian woman and love you to death. Yeah. It's like completely a good way to kind of understand what you're in for. They have similar elements too. Like you get that real, like lift off with both songs, you know, when the, when the music comes in and hits, you get that just fucking launching off the ground. Um, yeah, I just, it's so, it's so fucking good. And just the lyrics, like this is like, just again, setting the tone for the rest of the album. It's just sex. Like, so much sex all over these lyrics. Yeah. Very horny album. It's really funny because it could have easily had just been called, uh, uh, named after an album that had the best title for it, but was decidedly the least horny album I ever heard, which is Songs About Fucking. (laughs) But I think it's because this is more like songs about, like, fucking with, like, is there a bit of like lovemaking in there? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yes. it, like, like, like that whole Aramar good enough for you definitely kind of exhibits a, like a weird kind of like, Jesus, Pete, you okay, buddy? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, he's, he's showing he's, he's some vulnerability there. You know, <laughs> every, every bad boy has a soft side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, one other thing is I had, I had the PC game blood, like a first person shooter. <laughs> And it came with, uh, on the CD-ROM, it had an insanely compressed version of the music video for this song. Um, and the song was also used in the trailer for the game, hilariously. And it's, like, really yeah. funnily synced up. Like, it'll show, like, this really poorly rendered creature gesturing in time with Peter singing. It's like, did they do that on Is purpose? He's... You're like, wait, am I supposed to think he's singing this? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that was a fucking awesome game, by the way. It was, there's a, there's it was a, like there's a, a remake ready available on Steam if anyone wants to check it out. It's very fun. It's like a Duke Nukem style first person shooter. Each level is like a different horror movie reference. There's like a level that is clearly just the Overlook Hotel, complete with a hedge maze. And if you oh, find, if cool. you like go to a certain spot, you can find like a little digitized, like pixelated, looks like. Uh, you know, pixel art version of a frozen Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Frozen. (laughs) That is fucking funny, man. Very fun game, but just an amazing song. Really sets the tone for this album. 
You said Duke Nukem clone, and I can't help but think October Rust is not a Duke Nukem style song, or like none of nothing on there works for that. Bloody Kisses might have one or two songs that could have worked in a in a Duke Nukem format, because <laughs> Duke Nukem has a very like its own energy that, that it's kind of the '90s equivalent of like Epic Bacon. <laughs> I feel like Too Late Frozen might have worked, like at least like the up tempo parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I was thinking like 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 Duke Nukem was all based on the idea of like what if like there was cursing in Doom. Die, you son of a bitch! <laughs> you know, what if there's titties. What if you could? What, yeah. what if you could look at a stripper? <laughs> yeah, Doom. and then the and the guy says like one of five canned lines in like a real cool voice. You what know? if and you could like, piss in Doom? That'd be yeah, sick. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm gonna go take a piss in the game. You know, like, <laughs> that was a big know, draw. Honestly, I remember I, I just wanted to piss in the game so bad <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't allowed to in real life. <laughs> Just reveal something very strange about myself at the last second. <laughs> the, the, this episode just cuts off. We open clearly on another day. <laughs> oh, that that would not happen. This this yeah. will all be recorded the same day. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so do you have anything else on Love You to Death, or do you want to move on to the next one? I, I say let's go to the next one, man. Yeah, so next up, Be My Druidist. for us for this band uh so this is the song that actually got me truly to say i'm i'm checking this out officially yep like blood and fire was my introduction and then i never looked further but this was the one that like the moment i heard this i was like oh shit because like obviously you hear that little bit of static that almost feels like it was a continuation of like bad ground or something like just for a moment and then that bass comes in and then the drums once the guitar comes in because the guitar is like this really beautiful, like shimmery, like chiming tone. Mm-hmm. Once that kicked in, I instantly was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, uh, h- how did I not know about this? And I instantly was hooked. Yeah, this is them in Cocteau Twins mode. You know what's funny? That is kind of, yeah, it's got a real Heaven or Las Vegas kind yes. of like a guitar yeah. tone. Yeah, it it's, does have almost a similar feel to that, too. And like, they do a lot of that, like, even the bass work is almost Cocteau Twinsy. Yeah, it, it's it's specifically, I think the song immediately that comes to mind, God, thanks for saying that, is um, Cherry Colored Funk. Very similar, like, fucking guitar tone in that. Same album, I think, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's the opener on that. And it's like, Jesus. So the moment I hear this, I was like, oh my God, this this rules. I fucking love it. And so that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to check them out. And that was the one you sent me. Yeah, this was the one for me too. I, we've talked about it on, on another episode, but yeah, it was. I was just, I had no idea they could sound like this. And that kind of opened me up to the other stuff that I had previously, you know, just dismissed kind of stupidly. It's no, very, it's a very the... groovy song for them too. Like it's got oh, more yeah. groove to it than a lot of their other stuff. It's it's pretty. It's kind of an outlier in their catalog, but it's undeniably typo negative. Oh yeah, fantastic! Like a fuzz bass tone to it and everything too, which I really love. And then you get to the other section, <laughs> which is the part <laughs> we've made constant reference to. But it is just, it is so funny because it it is the um. This is, to me, like, Peter Steele kind of channeling accidentally something along the lines of, like, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, just kind of like the all-do-anything-to-make-you-come line. Yeah, just not, it's, like, no, you know, there's no dancing around what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's like we know exactly what he's saying. It's, it's it, it it is. It's reminiscent of Prince randomly singing, "I want to fuck the taste out of your mouth," you know, <laughs> <laughs> which which he does do. But um, I, I was gonna say the coolest thing about that is actually, so he does that and it has the really funny like uh, bordering on almost reminds me of like a theremin in the background, you know. The, yeah, you the know? spooky the spooky theremin sound coming in. <laughs> it's, it's a, it sounds like he recorded that with but Monster Vision on TNT commercials were on. <laughs> you can kind of vaguely hear it like edited out Monster Vision, you know, mm-hmm. but um uh so he does that and then the guitar solo comes in and I say that guitar solo for me, I feel like completely anticipated the first Perfect Circle album. Yeah, yeah. It's a hundred percent like they totally a hundred percent use that specific tone and style of playing, like on at least five songs. Yeah, I love how Ken- Magdalena and Rose. Yeah, I love how Kenny's guitar play, his solos are just so simple and to the point. Like, there's no flashiness whatsoever. Like, how many fucking notes is this? It's like four notes played really slowly, but. It does. It, that's what the song needs. They're very. Yeah, he's, was, he's very tasteful with that. He's never like trying to showboat. It's just, I. Yeah, this is something any like you know someone who just picked up the guitar could probably learn pretty quickly. But they definitely wouldn't know to write that for that song. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, like that's. I really appreciate that about him. Um, Great he's, feel. He's, it's he's the absolute opposite of the fucking shredders that way. And not even in terms of ability or anything. I don't know. He could maybe. Yeah, but it's like, a, do you really want that? He has chops. Oh, I, be- I believe he does. But like, I was just thinking right there. It's like somebody maxing out the stats for understanding not what notes uh, got to be played, but why they need to be played. Yeah. That guy understands that better than anybody. And it's it's just, they work. And his, his solos like really stand out on this record. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it feels like almost every song seems to have one or a moment where he just takes center stage and they're all they're all like really incredibly beautiful sounding and like affected they might be some of the highlights on the albums for me actually. Yeah, they add a lot, you know. They add a lot without without being a lot. They're kind of they yeah. they they come in then they go. They're they're gone, but 
they they add a lot to the vibe. This is a good song to talk about just the production of this album, which is sort of a little controversial, you know, which I totally get. It's that bass line that comes in. The bass is very thin. There's not a lot of low end to it. It's kind of, you know, it's very trebly and fuzzed out. Um, the the distorted guitars on this are very digitized and sterile sounding. It sounds like he's just plugging straight into the mixing board. It doesn't sound like an amp mic'd up. Um, you have you have those the canned drum sounds, which are just very static yeah. and don't have a lot of dynamic. There's not a lot of dynamics there. Um, so yeah, a lot of people are like, yeah, this these albums are poorly produced. Whatever. Um, for what? me, for yeah, I mean, it. If you're thinking like, oh, bass should have low end, maybe <laughs> maybe this is poorly produced for you. But I feel like it creates such a specific sound and vibe. Like with Pete, that Peter's big booming voice and Josh adding all those synth layers, they oh all com- they all combine I... and make this like really. It's like it's just so unique. It doesn't sound like anything else. Can I ask you a question about the band? No. <laughs> <laughs> you said now you said cocaine came into the picture around here, right? Yeah, I think they said while they were touring for this is when cocaine. Came into oh, the picture. so. So not during the making of then. It, yeah, it sounded like like during the making of it, Peter was still just on his supplements and stuff, or and pro- obviously red wine. <laughs> Only because it would have explained that production so well. I have this fantastic clip I had seen of Noel Gallagher. It's like it's probably I think it's on YouTube actually. Uh, talking about when they made "Be Here Now" the same year, right? It came out what ninety six, ninety seven, and Noel Gallagher's quote was. This is the sound of a bunch of people on coke, not giving a shit. The songs are all long and the production is shit. I don't know what happened to the bass. Everything is extremely trebly. <laughs> At any time I'm not singing, there's like 11 guitars doing Wayne's worldy things. And I was just like, hmm, extremely high bass tone, uh, excessively layered songs. I was going to say, is this a cocaine album? <laughs> so I almost thought that because I'm like, that is interesting. When you started pointing that out, I'm like, I never put those two together before. Yeah, yeah, from from the magazine, you know, that, like, Revolver thing, from the interviews, it sounded like Kenny was saying that it was around, like, when they were, you know, touring around this time. Um, but I, it, def- it definitely could have, you know, been in the picture earlier. They do mention in that little jokey intro thing, like, we spent a couple of months getting high making it, but, I mean, I know they, you know, smoked weed or a couple of the guys, so... Could have just been that they're referring to, but who knows? I will say if 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 they got any like do anytime the song has like a doom kind of Black Sabbath feel, I feel like that should be when you're on downers. <laughs> Weed's not a downer. I don't know. Like like to me, weed is not really meant to be an up tempo thing. No, for uh, sure. To me, but it, it's it, about it can, it's it about can, chilling. Yeah, but it can be very like you know psychedelicy, not like visually psychedelic, but it can definitely lend itself to sonic experimentation so oh yeah you know what weed to me would be summer breeze with set me on fire (laughs) that would be a really good weed combination (laughs) (laughs) like set me on fire just has this kind of like if like that to me is when it like you start to really feel good you you know know? you know it's a good weed combination just just any song (laughs) (laughs) i don't Um, know man i mean (laughs) there's a few things that i'm like i don't want to hear like pink floyd's the trial with that (laughs) 
That should have bummed me out. <laughs> well, um, shit, dude. Yeah, I've, is, do you have what anything about, else? What? I've got I've got a couple more things about this. I was just gonna say maybe the content of the song, but I don't really have much to say about it because um, I just think it sounds so cool. I don't look into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we we talked about like how it sounds and stuff, but um, this is the first little taste you get of Peter's sort of witchy pagan lyrical influence on this album like you get be my druidess they're they're in they're out in the woods around a fire a circle of 13 uh you know the popular myth is witches covens were always comprised of 13 witches um Ah. which apparently is not true (laughs) that's just like that was sort of an old you know an old myth that got passed around but it's kind of you know pop popular culture but yeah, so you get you get a little bit of the, the the pagan lyrical influence, which carries over into the next song. Another fucking ten out of ten song, Green Man. A hundred percent ten. chirping the leaves rustling the low rumble of an idling garbage truck <laughs> this is about his job isn't it um it, yeah i was inspired by that i guess he said you know that kids would call him green man because of his green jumpsuit that he wore when he was working at in the parks department and apparently the garbage truck sampled on this is the is the garbage truck that he drove when he worked there <laughs> that, that this might be like the most affectionate song I feel towards him. Yeah, it's it's really like it's like it it pulls at the heartstrings for sure. Just like I just I wish he could still be out enjoying all the seasons. Yeah, and no no joke. It it really is. It's beautiful and it's the perfect time of year to be covering it because at least up here the snow is finally melting. You know, we won't get green just yet, but it is like, ah, spring has come, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) that really is the feeling of the song. It is the, the same feeling you get when you're up here and you get like, and we get down to like, I don't know, like six hours of daylight a day. You you don't really think seasonal affective disorder is really a thing until the first really nice day with some decent sunlight hits you. And it like, it feels like you just took like a shit ton of club drugs and they all hit. You're like, oh my God. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, I guess I didn't realize that winter really does make you feel low. <laughs> anyway, that feeling, that that lift, that wonderful beauty, beautiful feeling, that to me is is Green Man, it, like musically. Yeah. It, 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 every part of it just sounds gorgeous and it lifts up and up and it's just, oh, it's a wonderful song. Yeah, I think that, I'm not sure, it might be a 12-string acoustic that's being played here. It just sounds so beautiful and like chimey and... It's, yes, the tone of it is wonderful. I love it. I fucking love that shit. It's 
it's such a good song and just the the lyrics it's so fun to sing along to the i'm a green man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i had a uh I have one little thing I was going to say about it in general. I think it sums up my feelings about them. And this might be a definitive statement about the band, actually. Um, in nineteen, in May of 1980, uh, Ian Curtis of Joy Division had, had hang, he hung himself. He killed, he committed suicide. And it was when it would when the word had gotten out, it was announced by maybe one of the great heroes of all music and radio is John Peel, the legendary producer, uh, DJ. He announces it and I actually found the whole clip. It's on uh, YouTube of him announcing like when he first learned of the death and as he announces it and everything, and we're sorry for him and for his family, he doesn't play the latest song or their biggest hit or single. He instead chooses an album track. He chooses, I thought it was Atmosphere, which would have been amazing. And that's what I'd read. I actually found back and listened to it. It, he, He plays New Dawn Fades, which also feels deeply like because you actually hear it as it goes to play in and you're like wow that feels so appropriate to have like that song be the one like we're going to send them off with that to me is how i feel green man is to peter like peter's death i feel like if it had been something to announce on the radio i feel that should have been the song you play him off with you could play him off with a bigger hit for sure but i think green man truly is like the sweetest possible way to send off somebody yeah for sure Wow. Well, thanks for making me sad, but that was, I, I, that was really that that's, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like I hear, I go, that is like the way I like to remember that guy. And like, yeah. no matter what, like we'll, we'll make fun of things. Oh, listen, is a problematic, but look at his point of view on this. Yikes. You could do all that kind of shit, but it's like, to me, the vision of him, I always will have is he'll always be the green man. Yeah. There's a great, um, there's a clip, I think it's from MTV, it's like Peter, I think he's in Central Park in the fall or something, and he's like describing his like ideal life of like, you know, living out in the woods by a lake with some woman, and he's like, you know, doing all the man shit, you know, like I go out and chop firewood and bring home like bring home meat for her to cook and stuff. And, like, and he's like, Oh we god, just, is like, he gonna be a carnivore diet just, guy? <laughs> I think it's any wonder why autumn is the most favorite season of just about everyone. But the trees are flame and the water still. It is by far my favorite season. This is probably the perfect location, as you see here, for me to build my dream house like a Frank Lloyd Wright type of uh, falling water house in a location like this, but a lot more glass. And every morning when I wake up, I have the woods to one side and water to the other, the sky above. And it would always seem like I was outside and I could enjoy nature in all the seasons. So perhaps take a few trees down here, very few trees, build a nice little house for my woman and worship her the rest of my life. Um, Just run this under the sink for a minute. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, it's really it's really touching. Just like I don't know, he's a simple he's a simple guy. He's a simple guy, and and it really is by far the most af- like it is maybe the most affectionate feeling song I have in general towards him and the band as a whole. Like and and, and it's really cool because lyrically and musically it, they both sync up perfectly for that. Like it's a ten out of ten. Yeah, it's just I I love you know they weren't afraid to put out something like this that's just so like. 
I, I don't know how you describe it. It's just like genuine and earnest and it's like it could be construed as like cheesy or even like, you know, fucking gay or something, you know. Like, but it's just it's I, it's wonderful. <laughs> I like I like to imagine a Power Rangers movie about the Green Ranger and it just uses an annoying like piano ballad girl singing her weird vowels <laughs> version of Green Man. <laughs> I like doing the Halsey voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Green Man, you know. Mound. Yeah, it's like Mound. Fuck, I hate that kind of shit. Just now, had had they done "Be My Druidist" that way, that one section, that would have been kind of funny. Yeah, great song, and again, the you get more of the pagan imagery here. Like, uh, you know, ostensibly it's just, you know, Peter, the green man on the face of it. He loves the color green. He wore a green jumpsuit, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you look at the cover for, I'm not sure if it was the single or what, but it's commonly used, you know, the the uh, depiction of the green man, which is a mythological, you know, being. I've got some, I'll read a little bit from the Wikipedia here because I was too lazy to rewrite it. Um, yeah, go for it. So from the Wikipedia. The Green Man is a legendary being primarily interpreted as a symbol of rebirth, representing the cycle of new growth that occurs every spring. The Green Man is most commonly depicted in a sculpture or other representation of a face which is made of or completely surrounded by leaves. Usually referred to in works of architecture as foliate heads or foliate masks, carvings of the green man may take many forms, naturalistic or decorative. The simplest depiction is a man's face peeking out of dense foliage. Some may have leaves for hair, perhaps with a leafy beard. Often leaves or leafy shoots are shown growing from his open mouth and sometimes from the nose and eyes as well. Um... The Green Man turns, like, variations on the Green Man. This is just me spitballing here. Kind of show up in a lot of different mythologies. Like, pretty much all the different cultures had some form of the Green Man. There's, like, um, in Egypt, Osiris, the ruler of the underworld, is regarded as the grain deity and is commonly depicted with green face. And, you know, he represents vegetation, rebirth, and resurrection. Um, I guess in Tibetan mythology, there's like some someone called Amogha City, which is a degree their version <laughs> of the Green Man, and then there's that sounds like a Lovecraftian god, right? Um, and then there's Tlaloc in in Mexico. Um, there you but, go again. <laughs> but yeah, for uh, for modern pagans, the Green Man is used as a symbol of seasonal renewal and ecological awareness. And in Wicca, the green man has often been used as a representation of the horned god, a syncretic deity that incorporates aspects of, amongst others, the Celtic Cernuros and the Greek Pan. So Weird. I, I definitely feel like, you know, in between these two albums, Peter met himself a real witchy woman. <laughs> who, yeah, who I probably like that. had some books on, you know, like paganism and witchcraft and I mean that that those were his type, so I feel like that maybe 100%. that's where this comes from. Uh, that can make a lot of sense because you're because yeah, that's that's two back to back kind of references in there. I mean, it happens to coincide with things that he already kind of loves. Things like like he clearly seems like one of those dudes who's really into seasons, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 re I really love the fall, you know? Like that's like a real. I could see him being that way. Right. I feel like he heard about the Green Man and it was literally just like. 
I'm the green man. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a green man. You know, people call me that too. He's you know? like, damn. Yeah. He's like, he just like saw himself in that mythological figure. <laughs> so Red Water is, is up next. Christmas morning? Right, okay, Red Water Christmas morning. So I've got a Red question. Red Water. Is mm. this is this a great Christmas song or is it the greatest Christmas song? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's up there, but it's going to take a lot more to to dismantle uh, or to dislodge Grandma got run over by a reindeer off that list. <laughs> Fucking least favorite song ever. <laughs> You know what's funny? Um, go ahead. This actually may be the last song on the album I ever fully absorbed. For some Same. weird reason, it it took me a long time for this one to finally... Um, the album never opened itself up to me in order. Um, this kind of... The last time an album did this this way for me, no joke, was Kid A. Okay. Where... Like song, like song three showed me, showed itself to me song seven, six. And then it kind of like in weird orders where like song four is the last one that does it. It's kind of the same thing here. Red water is the last song to really like reveal itself to me where I went, Oh, now I get it. Cause I kind of never really did same. before. <clears throat> yeah. I now, had that, I, I had that note as well. I was just gonna say, it's like, but, so it's so dirgy and like depressive and like the, the sleigh, the sleigh bells thing and, you know, the ca- carol of the bells melody and stuff kind of like it felt I, I don't want to say gimmicky to me, but something about it just kind of like it made it feel a little separate from the rest of the album. But, it you know, yeah. I, I have come around to where I recognize, you know, how dynamic it is. And it really does. You get you get a talk, Speaking of guitar solos, you get a really good one in this towards the end there. Yes. You get some, you get those vocal harmonies, and Kenny just lays down this real simple, like soaring guitar lead. Um, it's great. A thousand percent. Unfortunately, I didn't have much more to add to it beyond that because, like I said, it's the last one I ever had gotten really into. Um, the main thing I, I just love when he's like when he's singing "Red Water," like the way his voice carries up like that. Red water, yeah. you know, like red water. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds amazing and really great. Yeah. And for some weird reason, it didn't catch me the first few times. But oh my god, once it did, I was like, man, I, I so the song for me doesn't really have a tr- there's no true dud in the bunch. I agree. And, and and initially, I remember thinking maybe this was going to be the one for me. And as I went back to it, I was like, no, it all clicks now. So, yeah, you know, the closest thing I have to that might be the next one yeah maybe yeah and even then it's not really it's just to the rest of the album it is yeah but um so this was you know the lyrics to this were inspired by peter's dad dying uh 
um, oh Jesus! It sounds like a lot more people dying than that. When you, it's like you know, the table has been set for but seven. Last year, I dined with eleven. It's like holy shit, he lost a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, was he thinking about an explosion at Thanksgiving or something? <laughs> you know, just took a bunch of people out at once. <laughs> the wishbone threw her neck in two. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Yeah. One other thing, I didn't. I didn't know this because it's a more obscure song than "Carol of the Bells." But there's a second Christmas song that they put in there. You know, when when the music sort of drops out and you get the, it's like a little girl crying or something. Yeah. See, I was like, that used to bother. I didn't want to hear that. Same. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That like that like slowed the song to uh. screeching halt for me before. But it's like the little horn part. Is apparently it's a song called "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen." Oh wait, so. I do know that. That is familiar now. I just never pay attention to it yeah. because the little girl crying. I was like, "Ugh, can we get past this?" <laughs> I don't want to hear. Yeah, come you on, know. Josh. Come on. <laughs> I hear that. I, I hear that in my underground dungeon every day. I don't need to be hearing it there. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Fucking. Yeah, my name is actually my real name is actually an anagram for Mark Dutro. <laughs> Um, that's great. <laughs> the, but yeah, it's like, I love, I love that they, again, it's just like the sleigh bells using two different sort of classic Christmas songs. I love the attention to detail of, on this album. It's like, it really feels like a, like a labor of love and, and like UB40's labor of love also. Yeah, which also had a song about red water called Red Red Water. Yes, wow, wow. (laughs) Nice connection there. I didn't get that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Actually, you know what's funny? I was just thinking that sounds really dumb, but like, God, wouldn't that be amazing if like Neil Diamond had to cover a typo negative song? (laughs) (laughs) Would this be the one? Yeah, no, I don't know if it would be this one. I'm trying to think of what he would cover that would sound amazing. <laughs> he could probably do Love You to Death, no joke. <laughs> Am I good enough, you know? <laughs> you just do a Hot August Night style, you know? God damn, I, not only the idea of typo negative covering artists, but other artists covering typo negative would be kind of interesting. Yeah, it would all have to be stuff like that. I wouldn't want to hear a band just try to do the typo negative version. I would no. want to hear a different spin on it. I want to hear his version of it. Like like they cover Neil Young. I want to hear Neil Young cover them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Neil Young and Crazy Horse do like Christian Woman. <laughs> For some reason in my mind, every single time Neil Young would cover them, it would just be to the tune of After the Gold Rush. <laughs> but with just their lyrics. Like, listen, I don't really have time to really make a whole song out of this, all right? I'm just going to do this one. He's like, I'm too busy, like, crapping out two records a year. <laughs> like, yeah, he, one of the most prolific artists of all time. Yeah. I said he had a, I used to say he, I thought he had a Rolodex, a Rolodex of songs with, like, just different tragedies. If there's an earthquake, I got one. If there's a hurricane, <laughs> I have one. Because he would be so fast to make a song. I'm like... It, is it like when celebrities have obituaries pre-written most of it? Yeah. With just the specifics ready to go? You know what's happening? It's that old man from Under the Silver Lake writing all his songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You like this one? 
I wrote that too. <laughs> oh my god. That is so fucking brilliant. That movie, oh my god, high recommend on that. I was beyond puzzled the first time I watched it, but it's the one that the more I sat there with it, the more things about it just kind of really stuck with me. Yeah, great movie. And that's that's been this episode's uh, movie, movie corner. Movie corner. <laughs> yeah, high recommend, Under the Silver Lake. So the next song is My Girlfriend's Girlfriend, which, you know, we already talked about a lot on the last episode. Without the bridge, this song is a six, but with it, it's a solid nine. <laughs> well, one of those, so basically, one of those girlfriends is a six. The other girlfriend, the bridge, is a nine. <laughs> I guess you could say you prefer your girlfriend's girlfriend. <laughs> Every polycule has at least one, at least one yeah. dud in the mix. I'm telling you, man, they 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 should remake Cruising, but they should make it about sex nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Al Pacino has to go undercover, <laughs> you know, and instead of like, you know, a guy like freaking out or like, how, how long can I pretend to be gay before it starts to mess with me? Like the original movie, he's just kind of like, how long do I have to not bathe before I start to kind of just be one of these guys? <laughs> um, it, My girlfriend's girlfriend, like I said, I just, uh, I think I referenced this offhand before, but I cannot stop singing the ending of the cars, my best friend's girl to that. When they're doing the my best friend's girlfriend, it just feels too much like the same thing to me. <laughs> my best friend's girlfriend. Um, I still think as a single, it's kind of like a, like a not, it wasn't the best choice to introduce the album. It like their funniest songs on bloody kisses, I think were, uh, were funnier in a different way than this one like like i think black number one's a funnier song or even we hate everybody is like still pretty funny yeah. um but like uh the the, the the this one just didn't quite hit for me it it's like i said start to skirt toward novelty uh and because of the but like obviously with their sound it kind of made it seem more like a monster party song like musically <laughs> <laughs> um but like I said, the cool thing about on this album is there's nothing without merit. Everything's got like something to go for it. And of course, like we, you just said, it's the goddamn uh, bridge. The bridge is so good. I think it saves the song. Hand in hand, down the to 
song itself, once again, not terrible, but it would definitely be my least favorite track on the whole album. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I I definitely say it's probably my least favorite. If we're not including, you know, the joke tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I, I can't prefer, use one I, of those, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, those don't actually count. <laughs> Concluding bad ground. I'm like, no, I like bad ground. <laughs> Um, I'm a but, huge Pansonic fan. <laughs> but as, you know, just going to what you just said about, you know, it, it's, you know, the bridge sort of making up for it, Josh. I did read some quote from Josh like that. I don't have it on hand, but he said, you know, that's the great thing about this band is you can not like a song for the first five minutes and then... <laughs> Uh, then a part can come in that you like he's like there's so many fucking parts in our songs and they're so long that there's gonna be something you'll like oh my god so 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 it's the it's the like 1969 1970 like pink floyd ethos of songs i mean it it made sense it rang true to me and i i like a lot of music like that where it's like there's like parts that you know maybe even like like yeah, like the first five minutes of a song might just be kind of like, you know, just sort of there for me. And then a really cool transition or a really, really interesting bridge <clears throat> or even a, excuse me, a long outro can come in. Oh, yeah. Um, no, there's this. Yeah. I've seen heard multi-part songs where I'm like this section and this section really are great. And if they're really good, they kind of make the whole song <laughs> Like, it's to the point where you're like, oh, why couldn't they just do this? It's like, you know what's funny? It hits better because of the thing that it led to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then, like, it feels like a release if they do it right. And it's like, no, it needs, it, it's a part of a whole. It needs to all be there. So, yeah, I could kind of see him saying that, except that I, I don't think their songs are really have ever been that dull, you know? Right. Like, yeah. It, I mean, like I said, even first album, like, might be the closest thing that might be to that case. But even then, like, I think there are parts that are in there that are, like, much better than, than he would suggest. I think so it's... what do we have after this? I was also... I, oh, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, you know, props to Josh, because listen to that bridge. Listen to how many layers are there. What would this even sound like without him? I, he really doesn't get enough credit. Like, he's... Oh, no. You know, he's like... You know, I sort of, when I first got into them, it was like, you know, you read about him. Oh, he's the keyboard player. He co-produced the albums with Peter. But when you listen to something like this, it's clear that he really, you know, was a big part of what makes Typo special. I, I think he's kind of a weird secret weapon. Yeah, he, uh, for sure. Like like so much of what, what what would have made them them. Like like he's definitely a severely underrated like player in this whole thing. Uh, like to their whole overall sound. And I think the next song is a pretty good demonstration of him. Yeah, Die With Me.
Oh yeah. God, such a fucking good. Here's another really sentimental ballad that just it's just it's beautiful. <laughs> yes. No, 100%. I think this is I think the song overall is supremely underrated. Obviously, it's never been released as a single. I don't see it on compilations or anything. You know, yeah. or anything like that, like the way like when they do like best ofs, like that's never one that's included. But uh, I would call this like more in the puffy shirt kind of romance. And it's got a lot of like die with me, but it's clearly like a overwhelmingly like sweet, sentimental like song. So you kind of get that kind of weird like death mixed with love thing. Uh, You know, I guess this is like kind of the closest they would get to like disintegration era cure. You know, like like a song, something like Plain Song almost, where like even lyrically, you know, Robert Smith kind of keeps repeatedly re- saying, you know, referencing the person looking like they're dead, and like you kind of just bring in like like swooning romance with like death kind of mixed in. Like I don't know, I get that feeling from them on that, and I really think that song's fantastic. Like you said, this was not a single; it's underrated. Do you think this could have been a single? Because, I mean, maybe if like. I believe you mentioned on the first episode if this album had come out a year or two earlier, then I, I, it might I think possibly a little bit better, hit a little more commercially. It possibly, I'm trying to think like how many like major ballads that there were in like this kind of genre, and like it's kind of tough to say. Like, uh, here's the thing: did, did it deserve to be a hit? A hundred percent, it should have. <laughs> uh, but whether or not it would have been, like whether I could see this on radio. I'm trying to see if anything comparable existed yeah. out there at the time, and and I don't see it. Um, okay. yeah, I was thinking right. that, but like everything he's singing here, like his choruses and like the main line about like like the still I miss her, you know, since she's gone. Yeah. Like he's so he he's clearly a very wounded guy. Like I think emotionally. Yeah. Like 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 I I was trying to try to figure out what his deal was. Right. Like I've even seen like chats and like various like like reddit groups or something and these people must be pretty young and like not i i think they're like they're maybe like they're attracting like a looks maxing group of kids or something where they're just like peter like in his prime look like he did so why is he having why i don't believe that he ever had trouble with women i don't get it you know and it's like because that's not everything man you know what i mean just because he's tall and had like an insane facial structure for a while like doesn't like make him immune to having problems with like relationships. Right. And I, I kind of can't help but think to myself that the, uh, like the, am I good enough for you from earlier? Uh, I feel like that kind of stand stood out to me abruptly. Like he seems like he's like, he seems like a, one of those guys who emotionally is a very wounded person. Uh, hell, even the very first album, you know, when he has that, like uh, the infidelity thing or whatever, when he has that, like you make me hate myself. Yeah. Talking about in interviews how he was a cutter, you know, and how he had like slashed his wrist over a woman. I, I, I will say that the single defining sound that I think would define him would be if you if you had just piped in from the wall when Roger Waters at the end of one of my turns just screams, why are you running away? And he just screams it so harshly. <laughs> it's like that seems to feel like that's probably what Peter's like emotional state's been <laughs> like in a lot of his relationships here is just a lot of like flipping out like something's coming out of him and it scares everyone. And then it's just, why are you running away? <laughs> At least that's just how I see it there. Like, he, like he clearly seems like an intense guy. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 
it's hard for me to get a full read on him, you know, but he he definitely seems like yes, like a very I there there's a mommy thing there for sure. The mama's boy thing is a big like, you know, maybe he's, you know, trying to find her. I I I I'm going to cut all this. Anyway, but no, no. let's get back. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to cut what I was saying anyway, but Oh, okay. Let's get back to the song. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's yeah, there's there's like a a clear there's a vulnerability here that I I it's really it's charming I feel like but yeah I could see how if you were maybe in a relationship with a guy that would write a song like this a song that he wrote about a girlfriend he had that you know moved to study abroad and I don't know about you but listening to this album makes me want to study abroad or two <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> With the female body inspectors, like I could, for some reason, I could see him in an FBI shirt saying that, like in an interview. <laughs> like his all of his early interviews, like really early, like through the nineties, he seems like so nervous and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like anyone else notice that? And then like his attempts, yeah. like and then anyone who interviews him seems very weird too. Like. Like they like this was my first day on the job and I had to interview these guys or something. <laughs> yeah. Like all their interviews I watch from the nineties, they it's like they they never got interviewed by regular people. Like <laughs> Yeah, they're they're the ones, ones he does in the aughts are fine. They're pretty funny though. Like just the way he the way he's like, you know, just like so straight faced and you know, <laughs> honest and sincere, and then Josh is like monosyllabic. <laughs> completely like acting like he just does not give a fuck just yeah he really does he re- absolutely does it is the funniest thing i was watching one where uh he looked like he stepped on a rake a second ago <laughs> like pow I mean, like right in the face and he, he's just kind of like huh <laughs> he does kind of have like sideshow bob hair so yeah but, he does <laughs> but yeah i was watching one where uh you know the interviewer was asking them about the the music they liked and when she, it was just Peter and Josh and, and Peter names all these bands you know a bunch of <clears throat> sort of like goth and shoegaze bands stuff like that and then they get to Josh and he just goes I I don't like music <laughs> really love the way the acoustic guitar sounds in the beginning like it sounds like I'm not sure what type of effect they're using here like a chorus effect or something but it gives it kind of that like slightly warbly watery sound or something yes um, um I, was say, uh, uh, I think the mvp might be josh in this i i think the all the little like the work on the keys throughout the song like all these little like there's these beautiful little mel- melodic flourishes and everything i the think just piano like, stabs at the beginning yeah yeah, yeah I, I honestly think they just throw the whole thing over the top Josh has, like, such a classical sense for stuff like that. Like, he could have been, like, you know, playing in, like, an AOR band or something like that. Like, the way he plays sometimes, like... (laughs) He's, like, the keyboardist in Journey. Like, fucking, uh, like, what is it? Like, this is from a later album, but something like Everything Dies. Like, it sounds like it, for some reason, it reminds me of, like, Mark Cohn or something. Like, Walking in (laughs) Memphis guy. (laughs) shoes and I boarded the plane touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle 
pouring rain. <laughs> like goth Mark Cohn. <laughs> holy shit. I'm picturing. Holy God. I was thinking... I'm trying to think here, like where that would be the funniest thing to do here with that. But like, <laughs> damn, I can't find a good song title for that. But that would just like to kind of clearly making fun of that. <laughs> I was haunted in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put on my dark martins in the pouring rain. <laughs> Touchdown in the land of the goth post-punk. She said, are you a green man? I said, yes, I am tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that trying to do a Mark Cohen impression, and it's just me just kind of only half assing a michael mcdonald yeah, yeah it's like it's like you're you're doing michael mcdonald but not really enunciating and not going quite as yeah. high oh. yeah i just can't do yeah i can't do it keeps you running you know <clears throat> then again nobody can the man is untouchable we are pro michael mcdonald on this show <laughs> Ageless. He's been 55 since he was 22 years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he is one of those guys. <laughs> it's so funny, like the I, videos I, of the early years when he's with the Doobie Brothers, and he's just gray, full gray hair, gray beard. Looks like he's like at least 50, but he's like you know, like in his 20s or something. <laughs> I true, I truly believe that he put a curse on Bob Seger, or Bob Seger put a curse on him where he would, anytime Bob Seger got a gray hair, it, it his hair stayed black and it went to Michael McDonald. <laughs> so like, Michael McDonald's like, why does this keep happening to me? You know? <laughs> For some reason, he talks like he sings. <laughs> like he only talks in backing vocals. <laughs> Um, yeah, a couple more, (laughs) that was great. Um, a couple more things. I, I, I noticed the, the guitars, once the full band comes in, the guitars go electric, distorted, but they're super buried. Like, it's just like buried underneath that wall of sound. It's just, you have to really listen to pick them out. Uh, I was going to say they do do their guitars. The, 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 the guitar in that song is uh, treated the way vocals in My Bloody Valentine are treated. It's just like screaming yeah. beneath the waves of noise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just really pushed to the back of the mix. You're absolutely right. That is totally true. It, it's kind of why I feel like like the heaviness exists in all forms, especially just in terms of the feel. But I'm always like, it, it's, it's I, I would I, I've seen a few reviews from people. Like I looked for a million reviews of this and I was looking at ones for people who liked the band, but for them, this was on their lesser end of albums. Cause like, I feel like you only see the single consensus that this is everyone's like fan favorite, like including myself. Like, well, what's the opposite opinion and what do they like? It seems to be, I saw a couple of them where the, their favorites were slow, deep and hard and world come down like a very odd combination, but I'm like, okay, you like clearly you like it heavier. You like the more doomy kind of stuff going on there. <clears throat> and so they're like, this album sounds like, like to them, it's like, there's nothing like that heavy in there, the guitars. And I think I noticed them complaining about the way the guitars feel buried in the back. It's like, it's the yeah. review may as well have just said it's too gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's <laughs> just what they said. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's true. It's not. It's definitely their least heavy album, but it has its heavy moments. And if you watch videos of these songs live, they they're pretty fucking heavy. Like we'll get to it, but Wolf Moon, I think it's like Bizarre Festival. There's one of those pro shot big like European festivals that they played. God, that song sounds fucking amazing, but we'll get to that later, I guess. Yeah, that song fucking rules. Um, but before we get there, do yeah. you have anything else for Die With Me? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, this song does have like that cool Sabbathy riff, um, you know, like right before the Yes. Like, um, really cool solo with Peter just like chugging along behind it, doing that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, and it has, I I forgot to mention this, one of a few different songs on this that has just, just ends abruptly. Like it just cuts off mid-measure. All right, that's where we're ending this one. That was October Rust Part 2. This coming Friday, that's just two days away, we're going to have Part 3 up for you. So real stacked week here. Thanks again for listening. Sorry for the tardiness. Uh, We'll try not to make that a regular thing. Uh, next Friday, we're going to have World Coming Down Part 1 up for you. I promise. No delays on that one. Anyway, see you all Friday. <laughs>